Ooh, well, welcome to Flex Weather. I'm Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. This is not the last episode of the season, it turns out. This is a Washington Spirit podcast, and we have a win to talk about here. A playoff win, first win since 2016 in the NWSL postseason. one uh, nothing over the North Carolina Courage at Audi Field. So I'm going to give my thoughts on that for a few minutes here up front, and then proceed into the second segment, which features Spirit Captain Andy Sullivan back on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about books and soccer. I apologize up front for somehow picking like out of the 20 or so books that are in my field of vision from where I record. Uh, I picked a book that happens to be like almost impossibly on the nose for the, the spirit season in terms of a metaphor as a recommendation. And I feel like that is not <laughs> that is a, a staggering accomplishment in, in the book to not recommend uh, at this point in time. But I did that. It is a good book. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, but we do spend more time on soccer. Uh, this is not necessarily a book podcast. Maybe in the off season, it might become a book podcast. Um, I don't know about that part of it. Hopefully, we'll have to think about the off season for a little while. Hopefully, there is another win in Tacoma on Sunday afternoon against OL Rain, and then we can be talking about a spirit trip to the championship. But before we get to that, we've got to talk about this first round game. The Spirit are the number three seed in the NWSL playoffs. They earned the right through their incredible finish to the season to host the Courage. Uh, unfortunately for the Spirit, the Courage looked like the real deal Courage. It's been a while since we'd seen them. Um, they started to show this. I think I kind of alluded to this on the last episode. The Courage started to show some of that old school, traditional Courage, speed of play, speed of thought, the intensity in their last regular season game uh, in Portland. That was a 0-0 draw, but if you watched the game, especially the early going, you saw a familiar version of the Courage uh, start that game off, and they came out looking like that at Audi Field, which meant that this game kind of became, in my opinion at least, uh, one, of, one of the classic NWSL games of all time. We're talking about a game that featured, uh, I want to say... 54 shots according to opta even if you say okay that's 120 minutes though if you if you break off you know 25 percent of that total to get down to a 90 minute total you're still talking about a pretty extraordinary game for 90 minutes and this one stayed extraordinary through 120 the spirit won this game on ashley hatch's 113th minute goal now, my good friend Emily Olson pointed out that maybe there is a Plex weather bump. Hatch, of course, did the podcast, went on to score a game winner. I don't know how these things work. Uh, this might be something that is in the hand of the fates uh, rather than me. Uh, but if there is a Plex weather bump, I guess you should place your bets on an Andy Sullivan game winner this Sunday. The Spirit kind of, this was a remarkable game in part because the Spirit didn't start that fast. Uh, like I said, the Courage came out firing on all cylinders. At halftime, uh, according to Opta, the Spirit had four shots to the Courage's eight. And that's not always a great indicator, but in this game, I think it was uh, a pretty solid indicator that the Courage really had the better of this one in the early going. They had a lot of corner kicks. They were able to push the Spirit into doing a lot of defending, uh, which is not what the, the Spirit necessarily wanted to be doing. I did write about how they've changed things so that they are more able to do that defending. Um, and they did 
to to give them some respect here, it wasn't that Aubrey Bledsoe had to make a ton of big saves in that first half. Um, that would come later when both goalkeepers, her, uh, Bledsoe and Casey Murphy, both were pretty spectacular in this game. But it's funny, the Spirit finished this game with 33 shots, and they got through the first 45 minutes with four. Uh, so that should tell you how, the, how things played out from there. The Spirit made some adjustments at halftime. They sort of recalibrated a little bit, talked about the stuff that wasn't quite there to start the game, bringing that you know full speed out for the second half. And they really kind of found themselves from there. They, I believe from the 70th minute through the 120th minute. They they made a switch to replace Ashley Sanchez with Tara McKeown. They went to a more traditional front three. And uh, Julia Rodder came on for uh, Tegan McGrady at left back to give them some fresh legs. That didn't really change how they went about the game so much as it just added some energy. And I feel like this was the moment that the spirit really they, they were playing better to start the second half but this is where they really kind of flipped the game the courage started to show signs of fatigue just as the spirit started to lift themselves and and play at a higher intensity level higher speed of play the substitutes all came in and had a major impact on this one and one data point i can point to is that from the 70th minute to full time that's 50 minutes of this game. The Spirit took 22 shots and the Courage took four. So the game really flipped on its head from that moment. Um, and, and some of that is, you know, setting the table. It's not such, such a thing where you bring these players in and all of a sudden you say, okay, now the Spirit are at their best. You know, the Courage were allowed to sort of run themselves out of gas a little bit by the starters. And then, you know, Tori Huster came in at halftime and started to change the game a little bit. I know. Uh, Chris Ward said that they were thinking maybe she wasn't going to be able to play the full 120 minutes. So they said, let's keep her in reserve so that we can bring her in so that she's the plan was to get her through. Um, if they if the game had to go to extra time, that she would be still high energy and, and not someone that they had to remove from the game as a substitute, but instead someone who they could bring in. Unfortunately, uh, Houston did have to leave this game early with what appears to be a pretty serious injury. Um, I was lucky enough to get to go to training, which Andy and I talk about later in the show. But the one thing that that Chris uh, said about this was that essentially she had to go for an MRI, get looked at by a specialist, definitely out for this game against the rain. It doesn't sound like she's going to be back anytime soon, which is extremely unfortunate. I think Houston had a wonderful season and you could see in this game how much she brings to the table, um, how much she's able to uh, change the game. Not that Taylor Eilmer, I think, did a very admirable job in the first half as well. And, and then Houston came in and really kind of helped the spirit start to figure out wh where the courage were trying to play out, how to intercept those passes and keep the game much more pinned into the courage half. And so North Carolina became much more of a counterattacking team um, because they couldn't really get much else going. It became more dump it in behind and chase it down uh, out of necessity. Uh, it wasn't that they changed their tactical approach uh, because they wanted to. It was because the, the the spirit made them make that change. And I think that starts with Houston, and then it progresses with those those second subs in the 70th minute for sure. But, you know, this is kind of part of the idea is to not think of it as there are 11 starters and then everyone else it's it's a progressive plan and these things can be all linked together rather than it being well we're going to play 
the best 11 players from the first. And if you're not in the the first 11, then you must not be as good as the rest of the players. So that that sort of thinking really, I think, helped contribute to this one, contribute to this win, set the spirit up to eventually get the breakthrough. It did take a while. Like I said, 22 shots in 50 minutes is a deluge. That's a kind of, uh, you know, un, unseen territory. This is not something you see very often in this league at all, uh, no matter who's playing who. So this was something pretty remarkable to see the spirit able to dictate these late stages to that extent, which uh, is how they set themselves up to get the win. It, it it did take something a little special because Casey Murphy, like I said, was playing so well. You, you'll hear Andy uh, mention her thoughts on that later in the show. She had, I believe, six shots. I think she she had most the most shots in the game despite playing uh, defensive midfield. Just just to give you an idea of how open this game was, but uh, it did eventually take the spirit catching the courage in transition, bringing the ball forward quickly, uh, moving it from out on the wing with Kelly O'Hara into Sullivan over to Trinity Rodman, who cut inside uh, Merritt Mathias. And apparently one of the things they said in the break between the two extra time periods was maybe try some low shots because Murphy was able to get to all these high shots, given that she is very tall. Uh, one of, I Maybe the tallest player in the league, her or Taylor Korniak. And so, you know, maybe get something low that takes a little more time for her to get down and get her hands behind the ball. Rodman kept her shot low, kept it powerful, which was important. I think the Spirit did have a couple of shots that with a little more power, maybe Murphy can't get to them. Um, But on this one, good power, good placement uh, to keep it low. And yes, Murphy does get there, but she ha- she's, I think she saw this shot a little late but from Matthias might've been screening her just so slightly um, and the ball pops back out and Ashley Hatch does what you do when you're the golden boot winner. Uh, You get into that goal scoring position and fire at home. I I think after the game, you know, some of the players noted that it wasn't necessarily as easy a finish as it might seem from that range because you, you have Murphy in front of you. She's still on the ground. So if you try and shoot low, she's probably going to be able to get out to either corner I believe another defender was in there trying to make a block as well. So uh, Hatch had to kind of fire this one into the roof of the net, which if you've ever kicked a soccer ball, you know the margin between putting that into the roof of the net and shooting it over and being like, oh, how did she miss it is very high. So it's actually, it's a low key, kind of a tricky shot. Um, But of course the goal scoring form she's in, not so tricky if you're the golden boot winner. Um, So she buried that one. And the Spirit really did a great job seeing this game out. Um, I believe from the moment of the goal, the Courage did not have another shot in the game. And I believe they only had one shot in the entire extra time, according to Opta. So that just tells you how much they were in charge of the game at that point. They'd really taken over. It would have been a real shame if this game had gone to penalty kicks. Uh, I'll say that much because the Spirit had been maybe arguably outplayed for the first hour, but that last 50 minutes was all spirit. And I think you'd have to say it was fair that they won the game. An excellent game, though. Uh, one of one of the best that I've seen in this league, in my opinion, at least. And pretty remarkable. So they are in the semifinals. They'll be playing O.L. Rain, who did not play last week. The Rain finished second. Uh, so they get to host this game at Cheney Field, which sounds like it's going to be a very soggy Cheney Field based on the Weather forecast I've seen for the Pacific Northwest, it sounds 
like it's going to be a, a rough one. If I'm going to be frank about it, it doesn't sound like it's going to be the kind of conditions for the best soccer. Cheney Field already a very small playing surface. I think the players have kind of said that it's not really there's not really another one quite like it, which is kind of remarkable in and of itself because we've seen the Kansas City games. But the camera angles can kind of tell you a, a play a little trick on your eyes. Maybe the field looks smaller than it really is. It sounds like Cheney is really the smallest field in the league from at least from the player's perspective. And of course, since it's a baseball field, you've got those patches of grass that are covering the baseball infield and the other patches of grass that are just there. All of that would be difficult in the best of conditions. And then when you throw in what is apparently just days and days and days of rain, not really great for, for that side of things. I think the players, as I'm recording this, it's quarter to four on Friday. Um, the players were posting on Instagram. It looked like everyone got there safe and were getting their cups of coffee and taking the customary photos of a uh, soaking wet Tacoma. Uh, every surface looks like it's just been dunked in a pool. Uh, so that's kind of the vibe, I think, for this one. This one's going to be uh, a very different sort of game against a very different sort of opponent. You know, lower speed of play, maybe a little more thoughtful a little less intense in a lot of ways, but a different kind of challenge with uh, some really incredible players. So it's not good. It doesn't get easier. It's just different. And I think on that note, I will end this segment and start the interview with Andy. And I'm not actually sure, like chronologically, I think this is the third time she's been on the podcast, but for listeners, this is going to be the second episode because there was a whole thing with this Cicada episode that I promise is, is going to be out soon. Um, Andy Sullivan, welcome back to Plexweather. Hey, thanks for having me back. I completely forgot about the Cicada <laughs> episode because um, you said third time, and I thought, uh, but you're right. <laughs> yeah the 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 unfortunate timing of getting that episode right together right as the uh, coaching stuff started uh, to change uh, <laughs> meant that it was maybe not the best day to release that episode. Um, <laughs> but I, I think. Not. I, I think in in the very near future, uh, for for everyone that's been wondering where that is, very soon uh, it exists. It, it didn't dissolve or anything. Um, you have to wait just, another seventeen years to release it. I I I guess so. Um, and then it'll be even more confusing for everyone. Um, it it'll make that much less sense that it exists. Um, I guess uh, you know, kind of not super related exactly to that note of why that episode didn't happen, but I kind of wanted to ask kind of a big question that you can take wherever you want to go with it. Uh, how are you doing? Like the literal, not the figure of speech, but like literally, how are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean the difference between literal and figurative? Oh, some, you know, we, people say, how are you doing is just a greeting and things like that. Whereas this is more of the like oh, big you picture. Dive into the depth. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm good. I'm soccer wise, like very happy to still be playing. Um, mm -hmm. This is my first time in playoffs and for in the, in the NWSL and it's, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that way the week leading into the game against North Carolina, I'm like, Oh my goodness, if we didn't make playoffs, like, we'd be done. Um, so I'm really trying to just, take some soak that up um and just be grateful for you know more opportunities to 
train with my team and, and play some games. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, I to be upfront. I'm still recovering from the game that we just had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard. And uh, I think it will test us this weekend. The fact that, you know, we had a double overtime game and rain has had a bye week. So um, hopefully we're, you know, they're hopefully they're a little rusty and we're nice and primed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, other than that, yeah, that's that's my spiel. What more do you want to know? Uh, well, I like I said, it was it was where you wanted to take it. Um, so how'd I, I think how'd I do? <laughs> I, I'm pretty good. It, it kind of leads into another another one of my questions. Um, you mentioned how you know this. 120 minutes, especially against a team like North Carolina, um, it, it seemed like uh, from afar, like kind of potentially like an instant classic for the league, given that it was, you know, played at such a high level from both teams, played at such a high pace for both teams. It's kind of a, uh, if you're a neutral, certainly kind of like a, a the, the perfect, perfect recipe. Um, but you, like you just said, you know, it's also this thing of it just, it takes a lot out of you. Um, how, how do you, uh, how do you think the whole team, not just you, but the whole group uh, that, that uh, put so much into the game, how is everybody uh, overcoming it from, you know, the mental perspective? And, and of course the physical perspective, I'm sure is just a bunch of, um, you know, ice baths and, and compression and, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. I think that the game does take a lot out of you, but at the same time, like, for the final whistle to blow and that we won, it just kind of gives all that mental energy right back. Um, so I think everyone was like so excited and so happy. And we've, I think we've been carrying that over um, the past few days and enjoying it and celebrating it, but at the same time looking forward because you can't, you know, sit on that too long. You've got more, more stuff to do. So um yeah, that's I don't I don't really know what else to say on that one. <laughs> um how was how was it from your perspective kind of being in the the in the midst of a game like that which is, you know, I don't know if you feel uh the way I felt about it from the press box w- about how, you know, it was it seemed like played at such a high level and um it was very end to end obviously the the shot mm-hmm. totals could tell everyone uh that one. Um, what I know from Chris, you know, after the game, I asked kind of this and he, he sort of had to chuckle because he said, you know, maybe we don't want it to be as wide open as that, but also mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of, you kind of have to lean into it a little if it's going that way. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, I mean, I think you're right in the shot total and like that both keepers were just playing out of their mind. Um, there was that one point where someone from our team shot it and Casey Murphy made a save and I audibly said, wow, to myself um, <laughs> in the middle of the game. So I think as much as I was focused and uh, focused on doing my job and performing, I was enjoying it a little bit as well because it, you're right. It was a really, really good game. Um, I do think that there was a time in the game where we were playing I think the end-to-end plays more into their hands um, mm. or played more into their hands, at, at especially like kind of second half, early second half. Um, 
but then I think I think Chris said that well actually I'm going to steal that from him leaning into it it kind of paid off for us and um yeah it it was uh it was I, I don't know there was just this something the longer it went I was like it can't it can't end as a tie and like it can't end with us losing so I mm-hmm. was just um it was really cool to have that um, feeling of belief um, in the whole team. And that's something that I think earlier on the year we struggled, like we would play well and like, we're hoping to win, but there wasn't this like deep edge to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what's kind of shifted a little bit. And I think it showed up great in that, in that game. Uh so you, you you know you mentioned the the you know having have, being close enough to goal I guess to really get a good look at some of these saves um you were pretty heavily involved uh attacking wise in this game um and I know some of that is the game was so open that those opportunities that maybe another team might not present um North Carolina was willing to take that risk and that you know present some options for you to come up um from that deeper spot but it's also something where going back over the whole season, you've said a bunch of times you wanted to be more involved, getting closer to goal. Um, you have those national team now uh, goals now. Uh, congratulations, by the way. Um, I know I know it's two instead of that they 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 took one from you. Um, <laughs> I with, I think they right rightfully so they took it from me. Um, but well, I, I I'm glad I'm glad you're. I know some of the some of the fans were like, I don't care. I'm I'm giving it to her forever. And I was like, well, that's. I mean, I'll take a, you know, a, a quote unquote assist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, on that on that front, it seems like um, this was a goal uh, coming into the season that you talked about a bunch, and it seems to be you know you're making progress on that front. The the number I think I I don't know if this was a season high of uh, for shots for you in a game, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I don't have that those numbers, but I it's. I didn't trigger anything in my head that said like, no, there was one game where there were more. Um, is that how you see it? How do you view your progress on that specific thing? Since I know we, we talked about it a couple of times way back when. I feel if only I put them away. Like I don't really, <laughs> um, I, I think you're right in that there's like been progress, but I'm like uh, missing the final piece. That's the most important piece. So um I wouldn't say I'm missing it. I just need to sharpen it up a little. But, um, yeah, I think that progress is a good word. I don't I don't even know, actually. I haven't really thought about it that much. So thank mm-hmm. you for um, inspiring some reflection on that front. But, um, yeah, I'm just, hopefully I can uh, progress a little bit more this next game. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I, I was I noticed, you know, being at training today, we we've we've seen each other today, um, which is very unusual this in, in the last two years that um there was training, you know, media could come to training and, and um we also got this unexpectedly uh beautiful day uh in November. Um it seemed like you know that from from my perspective off to the side, uh it seemed like the the vibes in the group are, you know, that that really good mix of focused, but still people are having fun. I saw 
um, Trinity having some dance moves during there was a little bit of a, a pause in things and she was getting in some dance moves. And um, I saw Bailey Feist out there doing some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all this, all these kind of, uh, you know, positive signs going on. Is that, is it, is it fair to read that the, the vibes just in general are, are very good? I mean, it is a, we're talking about a team going to the semifinals, so probably pretty good. Yeah, I think the vibes um, are generally good, like you said. I think especially since we've settled into Episcopal, I feel like that mm-hmm. really helped. Um, obviously, it's not like, you know, the most ideal situation, but they've been really, like, welcoming to us. And I think now knowing, like, this is where we're going to be every day at this time has really, mm-hmm. really helped people lighten up. Um, and I also think just, like, since Mitch season it's kind of shifted that way especially um Mm. not that the heaviness of the season has worn off because I feel like it's still very present and very um connected to everything and probably Mm. there's probably there's more to do and more to come but I do think that um we've kind of just like settled into that a little bit and I think that there is a really good balance of like you said people enjoying training um, but also getting things done well. Um, today was a little bit of a goofier day. Actually, we started with handball, so that's even yeah. more primed for <laughs> which looked um, pretty fun. fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was, I, I had nothing. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I think your observations are right. The vibes um, are good sometimes. I get a little like too intense and so it's good for me to see that and like you know unwind a little bit and you know Mm -hmm. be like hey this is this is I mean it's it's, there have been times where I'm like oh maybe we shouldn't change this and improve this but at the same time it's working and like whatever Mm -hmm. we're doing as a collective is working so I think where everyone is just kind of sitting in that and rolling with it and it, it's going really well i'm sure obviously like all of our staff members have put way more thought into things than that than i just said but um from the players front i feel like everyone is rolling with with what's going on and enjoying mm-hmm. it uh, you mentioned uh episcopal which i i had never been over there ever and uh mm-hmm. you know being on the field level what struck me right away was the the quality of that um playing surface uh, we didn't you know media we had to there's a you know covid protocols involved and some of that is like keeping some distance but it seemed you know from not very far away that um it seemed to be a, a really a really good place to be playing. I, I don't know if that's uh, your perspective, but to me, it was like, wow, this is like a, like a golf course. Yeah. The field is, is great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's standard size. It's flat. It's, mm. um, it's not, you know, too hard or too soft. Um, so that is pretty awesome. And they, it seems like if you look around their whole campus, they have a lot of, um, things like that that they're doing really well so mm-hmm. the field is definitely great and that really really helps mm-hmm. to have the space to to be able to do what you need and what you want in training and and you know obviously you mentioned um the the fact that it's a set time and i i think chris has also mentioned in a couple of interviews um that i've had with him about the set time thing it it might seem like you know, not a, not a small deal from the outside, but 
Um, I get the sense from the fact that you brought it up, the fact that he's brought it up. Um, how much of a how much does it throw a group off when you know training is maybe ten thirty on a Tuesday and then the next day it's like one or whenever? I think it's to be upfront, it's less about the actual time of training. It's more mm. about knowing your schedule and like being able to have a plan and a and a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never been able to settle into a routine this year. Um, and like, <laughs> you know, like if someone calls me at 5 PM and says, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I would say, Hey, I, I don't know. Um, I'll <laughs> let you know at like 9 PM because that's, and there were times where I would be asleep and there would be a schedule change. And that's not only hard for the players, cause how are you supposed to, you know, play and be your best self when you're like frantically changing your schedule and your prep and everything. Um, mm. But it was also very hard for our staff. Um, it just, it was called always extra work, whether that was um, equipment, people having to shuffle equipment to different locations or um, yeah. And just notifying the team and it, it was always, and it was like that every day. Um mm-hmm. And so much energy got put into logistics or frustration with logistics um, mm. that that it's, you're right. Like it, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you you know do that every day for a long time, it really does distract from what you're there to do. Um, mm. and, and that's not how it should be. Yeah, I mean that that makes perfect sense. Uh, it 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 did seem you know just from the outside, it seemed like a, a very, a difficult scenario. Cause I know it wasn't just different times, but also different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I know most of the players live out closer to Leesburg or in Loudoun County. Mm-hmm. And you had, uh, I, I don't know, five or six different uh, tra- training places uh, to deal with this year, which uh, I don't think that that works for anyone. So it does seem like, uh, like the, the, the best the best case scenario right now with uh some things that are out of out of everyone's control but um yeah it it, it i guess it, it probably reflects on um on the field as well like uh i don't know exactly how long you guys have been over there good question um i don't know either i think it honestly it's also pretty recent i think we didn't mm. go there until after our last trip to Seattle. Okay. Um, but I would have to look that up or something. Mm. Well, don't, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to look anything up for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a plex weather promise. I think no one has to look anything up except for me. Um, okay. Sounds good. Uh, I, I do want to say, you know, one of the things I mentioned seeing um, Bailey Feist at training and, you know, it's kind of a reminder of, that's one more difficult thing that happened this year. It just, it happened so long ago, but um, it seemed like she was primed to have this outstanding season. And then uh, right before it starts, she, she tears her ACL. And um, so that was already a a thing that was out there. And, you know, with all these difficulties, you're now, you're going into this semifinal um, with Tori, with the injury that she had in the, in a, in the last game here, the, the quarterfinal. Um, I know she wasn't at training. It, it seems like 
it requires a, an MRI and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I know fans, I think anyone that's a fan enough that they're listening to this podcast knows, you know, she's been around the team since day one. She means so much in the games and um, people from reading these articles uh, reporting with the players association stuff, they know how much she means in that front too. Um, what can you say about her? that's maybe not so obvious, you know, so, something that's not that we would see in games or that we might read about pertaining to players union stuff or things like that. What, what maybe do people not know that, um, that Tori brings to the table for this group? That's such a good question. And I feel like I'll, I, I want to give a really good answer Um, (laughs) because Tori is an incredible, incredible human being, an incredible teammate. And um, I think that, is like you see her her work on the field and you know off the field for the PA I think what I really love about Tori is her emotional intelligence and her the way she thinks through problems she considers like every possible angle and perspective and question but at the same time, <laughs> I feel like I do it in a way that's annoying where like I have random thoughts and I like spit them out. And mm-hmm. Tori like is really good at taking everything in and bringing it together and like delivering very clear, thoughtful like points or questions or um, decisions. And she... Like I, yeah, I, uh, I could go on and on and on, but um, mm. I think that is, and that's gonna, it, it helps so much around the team every single day. So, um, and it's, it's gonna serve her well in her whole life. So I just love being around her because she makes me question how I, how I think and how I look to solve problems. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think leadership-wise, she is probably the best person I could be, like, learning from in an applied sense. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I know with this, you know, this younger, it it's a younger group uh, for the most part. Um, the, the leadership side of things, I, I can only imagine this year of all years has been more important than ever. Um, given that, you know, in years past, you're, of course, there are challenges every single season, um, but there are challenges. And then there's this t- 2021 uh, season uh, thing. It seems like a a, a, le- a new level of uh, challenge that I, I feel like uh, no one may, no one maybe ever anticipated this many at, at once. That's, yep, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hopefully, hopefully future seasons will not involve these th- this level and this uh the diverse range of challenges i guess is the way i would put it um yeah I hope. uh <laughs> um i i you speaking of challenges i'm getting better at these segues i guess or just getting lucky i think um <laughs> you've you've been out to uh to play the rain twice this year out there um 
you guys have won both of those games. They've both been, they're challenging games. They're not, um, neither of those games have been a, a situation where you walk in there and um, completely dictate from minute one, um, especially that first game. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, was that a game? That was the game you were suspended for, right? I was going to say, fun fact, I have not played the game this that's, Yeah, that's right. Uh, um because I was suspended for my um, red card against Houston. And then um, I was out with my little knee thing this most recent game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then our, obviously we had a forfeit against them as well. So mm-hmm. uh, when we were supposed to play them at home. So, yeah, I have not played them yet. I'm looking forward to it. I I, I imagine when you, um, you know, especially being in the midfield and you look at, the players they have with, with Marjan, with Quinn, with Jess Fishlock, um, that, that level of challenge. I mean, it's not like the other teams in the league don't also have great midfielders, but like, you know, the players I just listed are, you know, kind of uh, all potential best 11 kind of players uh, every year. So um, I, I imagine that there's something um, kind of special to that, like going in and getting, um, getting the, the, the the best of the best so to speak is that is that a, an accurate uh, view yeah i think that's very accurate i think they have a phenomenal team um with great individual players but they also sync up really well together and mm. i'm i'm looking forward to ruining that for them if i can <laughs> um but we'll, we'll see what happens um yeah i think uh they will present us with some good challenges and I'm excited to see how we respond. I think we do well when, um, when that's the kind of standard we're, we're mm. facing is like the toughest, but you know, the, again, in, in, in the, the year 2021 is like, let's think of the most adverse <laughs> situation and let's go out and do it. And I think right. that's uh, what we'll do. So I'm, I think we'll, I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll do well. Mm. Um, you're speaking of that. I, I, I'm listing midfielders for them and I didn't mention Rose Lavelle. So there's, there's just one more uh, addition to the list of challenges in that game. Yeah. Um, you didn't list her, but she was the first one I thought of. So. Oh yeah. I, I can imagine. <laughs> um, uh, so when you approach, approach a team like the rain, they, you know, the courage play very much their style of play and, and the rain are, they strike me as a significantly different sort of team. Um, you've got to go out and play. It's a smaller field. Um, it's a different surface. And by that, I mean, literally different por- portions <laughs> of it are different than other portions. Yeah. Um, but they're also, they've, they've been in such good form for a while. I, you know, obviously you guys have the win over them, but that's pretty much for them. That's like the only blemish on their record for quite a while. Um when you think about them and I know you guys get, as you get closer, you do more of your game day prep, but um, from your perspective, uh, what, what's important for the team overall to, to be at their best against a team that plays like they do? I don't know if I'll give you like a great answer to this question. I, because I feel so much of our game day prep, like our prep leading into the week is so much about us um, mm-hmm. and less so about worrying about them. Obviously, like I said, they'll present really difficult challenges and we will talk about those. But um, I think for us, it's just going to be like keeping the 
the organization and the structure um, and communicating because I think they're very fluid. So that's going to be, we're going to need to be organized and we're going to need to be able to be flexible and um, just in sync. And I think we've been doing really well with that lately. So I hope we can build off that. Um, and I think like you said, adjusting to the field, adjusting to the circumstance. So just being able to quickly convey what needs to change, I think will be our best um, mm. assistance for us just to, to handle them. Um, and then, you know, before, before the show ends, I, I, you know, I mentioned, you know, you have those national team goals. You're on this next squad going to Australia shortly mm -hmm. after um, the championship, uh, which uh, I don't know exactly when that flight leaves, but it, I was left with the impression that it's like the game, the the final ends and you got, you might be walking uh, straight off the field and uh, going to the airport almost. Um, I pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you, if you win it, you don't get too much time to, to celebrate, I guess. Um, you, you can celebrate on the flight maybe. Um, yeah. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm that's... just uh, focused on this weekend and, Hopefully, and you know, hopefully, getting us to the next step. Mm. But yeah, I I don't know how that packing scenario is gonna go. Yeah, it sounds it sounds difficult. Um, you know, especially because <laughs> to my understanding from this, you know, Australia's had some pretty um substantial lockdown rules with with COVID and things like that. So it's been, I think, this is one of the first sports teams to visit Australia for anything. Um, if I, I don't know if it's actually the first, but it's pretty close. Um, so you're kind of going into one more, it's yet another bubble situation. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it works for them and it, it obviously it's good to be on that group, but it is still, I imagine at this, after this many experiences with, uh, various, uh, bubbles and COVID protocols, um, it, it probably, it, I know it would wear on me. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I was curious, you know, facing that that sort of thing. I know it's you know a little down the road, but like what has worked for you um, just to sort of keep yourself where you're able to play well and you're, you're stuck in the bubble, but you're not like climbing the walls a little bit because you are kind of trapped in the bubble. Yeah. Um, I think, a, I think the bubble life gets easier when you know what, where, when it's going to end. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, pre early pandemic, um, or even in like Utah when it's a tournament situation and you could be there for one more day or you could be there for, you know, another week and a half or something. Um, like we touched on that earlier, just kind of the uncertainty of planning anything um, is tough. So I feel like with, um, yeah, the bubbles, like just knowing like how long I'm going into them for is mm. very helpful. Um, for me, in general, just kind of having a good morning routine has been very helpful. Um, and like, not to sound so cheesy, but I've been meditating daily and that I feel like has really helped me in my performance, but in my mm -hmm. life. Um, mm -hmm. And I am going to bring some books. I've been reading more. So that also helped me. Um because if you, you know, I think it's very different kind of what you said it would weigh on you. It's like, it's different when you are choosing to do nothing versus when mm -hmm. you are forced to do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so just having different options and not 
being stuck on your phone or on a screen <laughs> is very mm-hmm. helpful. Um, I'm not sure what like the rules are going to be for us in Australia. Um, we'll go over them soon, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, if taking, taking random walks, things like that, I don't know, camp has gotten, the camp bubbles have gotten a little bit easier since, um, post Olympics, pre Olympics, mm-hmm. they were very difficult because, you know, if anyone got COVID, it really threatened anyone's chance to go to Tokyo. So, yeah. um, and yeah, so, um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, those are kind of my, that was a very rambly roundabout answer, no, but I hope that answered your question. No, I think so. Um, what, if you don't mind, uh, what are, what are you reading? Are you, are you looking for like fiction, nonfiction? Oh, uh, I like to change it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's actually funny. I, um, people keep giving me books, which I love. I think like giving, giving and receiving books from people is like a love language. Um, but I, for a while, like I was getting a lot of like really serious leadership books and those are great. Mm. I'm like, that's awesome. But at the same time, I'm like, I, the point of me reading is for me to relax. (laughs) And, um, yes, it's nice to learn things. Um, but I also want to enjoy. So I try to like, if I read a, you know, a, a more educational, um, work or like self-improvement type book to then flip flop it with something fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you read anything good recently? Should I put anything on my list? Uh, I haven't read anything really good recently because, uh, the, the October, uh, the fact that like the women's international window was right when DC United played a billion games. And then as soon as, mm-hmm. uh, and are going back in time, I can't even, I can't even keep track of which happened in what order, but, um, <laughs> the the men's international window happened and you know the spirit i don't have to tell you you guys had a billion games and there was also a bunch of news pertaining to those games so it was mm-hmm. um october kind of uh left me without uh much reading time at all which i have to say makes me it, it makes me feel like my like my brain power like diminishes if i go too long mm-hmm. without um reading much um so yeah i don't have a good answer right now i'm I've got some books that are literally on my desk that I'm like looking at to like pull as an example. Um, I have this for book what called you're, for what you're going to read or for what you've already read. It's something I, I already read that I, I thought was very good. Um, okay. I'll, I would take a recommendation. Uh, so I read this book called alone on the ice. Uh, it's by David okay. Roberts and it's about the uh, New Zealand and Australia put together and uh like a a full travel party to try and get to the South Pole. They were trying to be first. Um, and they got there late enough where they knew they weren't going to be first, but they still decided to go through with it and try to discover all this stuff um, from a scientific perspective. And it kind of, the, the mission goes awry, um, as the title kind of implies. Um, they They had the misfortune of, pulling up to Antarctica and finding this spot, they were like, Oh, this is great. Um, it's, it's like a good, uh, port. It's, it's the right, uh, depth of water for our boat. Um, we can offload everything. And it just so happened that they caught like one of the only 
days where this this cape that they land at is like the windiest place on earth um but they pulled up on a day that happened to not have much wind and so Mm. they thought it was going to be fantastic and then they were just constantly beset by winds of like hurricane force for like a full year um and so it's just this sort of um how they managed to get through that the the true story of their um exploits i got into a weird antarctica kick for a while there and uh that was that was the one that like capped it off it's like okay i think i think i've heard uh, as much about antarctica as needs to be heard that was a uh is difficult uh it's 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 a difficult uh trip for all of them but also just fascinating because it's 1905 and they're trying to figure out how to be in antarctica when they don't know the first thing about how to be there sounds a little depressing to be honest. Uh, well they i mean the there are some sad parts but there are also you know the leader of the mission comes through this uh terrible terrible ordeal uh where he is literally alone for a while but he manages to survive it and get back to the um the uh, base camp that they set up so it's not all a downer book but it is kind of like this stark sort of um survival story with these guys uh being down there in these really just absurdly impossible conditions so that's one book I don't know that, what that sounds like what I want to be. That's maybe fair. There you go. Yeah, maybe not the right time. Um, yeah. That's just that's just one of the ones that was like literally within my field of vision. Um, but uh, yeah, check back with me in the off season. Maybe I'll have a a, a one that's more suitable for um for for then because this one maybe is not. <laughs> you guys have survived enough, I think. Um, I was gonna say a little intense. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, off season. Off season. I'll put it on my list. Um I think oh, before we finish up, um we we talked about this uh, just before. Um you I think we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um Monday night, uh you had an event for uh set the expectation, which um I wanted to ask, you know, for for our listeners who maybe don't know what's going on, what is that and what was the event? And how can how can people get involved if they're so inclined? Yeah, so Set the Expectation is um, a nonprofit run by a woman named Brenda Tracy, and it is pretty much to end physical and sexual violence. Um, mm. And I actually heard well, I heard about it when I was in college because she came to visit Stanford's campus and she spoke with our football team. Um, so I knew of her and kind of was following her. And then actually, um, Ciara King, who was actually on Seattle, um, messaged me earlier this year and Mm. she went to NC state with James Smith Williams of the Washington football team, who also met Brenda while he was in college. Um, and he kind of wanted to start just like a DC athletes council for the nonprofit, um, to get involved in the community and help spread awareness um, and be, you know, advocates. And um, I talked to him, I talked to Brenda, and it's definitely something I wanted to be involved with. So um, Monday night, we went to D.C. to a um, toy store, and um, we actually, with the help of some Spirit fans and other people, um, bought some 
employees for the holidays for survivors and their families. Um, mm. And it was awesome. Um, and it's just a start. So if you want to learn more, I would go to setthexpectation.org. Um, and they also have an Instagram page um, if you want to follow it. That's, it's kind of sad that that's how I find out a lot about things on Instagram. But um, if there's something in the D.C. area, I will probably be probably be there and probably be sharing about it. So um, would love to get more people involved in helping these amazing people and their families. Excellent. Well, there, there you go, everyone. Uh, look. Look that up. Get on. Get on the website or the Instagram uh, site. I'm. I myself am miserable at Instagram. So um. <laughs> they're on Twitter as well. So okay. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. I. I don't know why I said Instagram. I think that's my thing. No, that, that's fine. It's. It's any. Any. Anything like this. It's. It's good that their reach is uh, expanded to um, both the younger set and someone as uh, aged as I am. Uh, at least how I'm <laughs> feeling these days. Um, well, Andy, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's it's always good to have a chat, and uh, good luck on the weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's the show. Thanking Andy once again for her generosity to come on the show right before a playoff game. It is very much appreciated. Again, uh, you can find the information about Set the Expectation at setthexpectation.org. If you have the means and the uh, the time to go help, it sounds to me like a pretty good organization that you could do that for. That's all I have for you for this episode. I teased in the interview with Andy that the Cicada episode is coming soon, and I decided this morning as I was eating my breakfast, I might as well just get it out now because if I wait any longer, it might be more bad news. So I think if you're listening to this the day this episode comes out, Tomorrow, you will be getting the Cicada episode that has been promised for so long. So you'll have that to look forward to. And if you're listening to this after that, then, uh, you know, it, it was Saturday, November 13th that that happened to give you some sort of uh, signpost in time. I know I need that because I can never tell when anything is. Um, I think that came up in the interview that I know things happened in October, but I don't know what order they happened in because uh, clocks, time, they don't apply to me anymore. I'm, I'm outside of time is how things are going. And on that confusing note, as always, I've done it again. I've ended the show in a bizarre fashion. That is it for me. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, if you want to listen to all of the back episodes, you can do that at the Plex weather website, which is plexweather.pinecast.co. Uh, there is a tip jar at the bottom of the, that page. If you'd like to financially support the show, that would be fantastic. I would greatly appreciate it if you did. So that's there for you to use if you so so desire to do that. If you don't want to go to a whole website about the podcast and you just want to use the podcast platform you already use, the show is on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, probably others. I'm pretty sure others. If you could rate and review the show, everyone says that that helps, and I don't have a reason to disbelieve them. So I would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, the account is at PlexWeather, all one word. You've probably seen those tweets. Uh, if you found the show, you've probably seen those tweets anyway. Um, my personal account is at JasonDCSoccer, which is, again, all one word. That is where the news and articles and whatnot will come through uh, because sometimes I forget 
that I'm controlling multiple accounts and I don't retweet one thing from the other or vice versa. So if you want to know everything that's happening with the team that I know, then you probably have to follow both of those for getting, I guess, time and also account responsibilities as an administrator. And now that I've added a second confusing note to the end of the show, I'm going to call it. Thank you for listening. I hope we're back next week with uh, one more in-season episode heading to a championship. See you next week.